Welcome to Melanated Conversations, our narrative from our perspective. Here on the podcast, we are amplifying the voices of Black women and sharing their powerful stories of transformation. I'm Tyrion. And I'm Yana. Let's start the show. Welcome back to another episode of Melanated Conversations. I'm your co-host, Yana. And I'm your co-host, Harriet. Y'all, y'all are here <laughs> for a treat today. I don't know if y'all can kind of hear it. Like, we're already having such a good time with our new cousin and the guest at this point. We like, we, we're, we're, we're full on family at this point. But we are going to be bringing on such a phenomenal woman who's doing things in the world not in not just in this little section of the u.s but she is doing things that we'll talk about it where she's oh, doing things, yeah. things that are helping us abroad as well so i want to bring on i guess adrian george is adrian george or adrian land want to make sure i'm giving you the well process. you know george is my maiden name and lind is my swedish name so my so you got it you got okay. it that's You're welcome yeah. Hey cousins. I'm so hey, happy to be back with you. I missed y'all. I missed y'all. Oh, we missed you too. I was looking forward to tonight so much. So thank you for having me. Yes. And yeah. you guys didn't catch that. So Adrian is actually in it's okay if we scare. Yeah, I'm in Sweden. Okay, okay. 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 <laughs> so Adrian I am Sweden, you guys. And she you know, she stayed up for us. No. Yeah. <laughs> My cousins, I've been looking forward to this all day. And thank you. Like, you know how things are behind the scenes. Of course, my computer had to reboot, do all this stuff. And you guys were so patient. And I'm so respectful of your time. And just thank you for being gracious during these COVID times. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. This is so important to me to be connected with you all because it's lonely over here in Sweden, I have to say. So thank you for, like, you guys throw me like a lifeline. This is very important to me. I appreciate that. Well, I mean... Of course, thank you for saying yes. yes and wanting to even, you know, have this conversation with us. And I get how look. you feel because I mean, you, I know look, this is when she said no. When she said that, I was thinking, I was like, and that you know, that's that's the power of the internet and the power of your melanated conversations. That you know, you're all about bringing us together and amplifying our voices and giving us a platform and. I really, really, really have been forced to take a hard look about who stands with Black women and who doesn't. And you guys unequivocally, unapologetically, clearly, and passionately would love stand with Black women. That's why we will always be cousins. We connected just because we connected, but what you do is just means so much to me. And I, 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 I thought, you know, I'm from D.C., you know, I grew up when it was like Chocolate City. I went to Howard. My parents met there, you know, all about black people. But I realized, you know, once I branched out and, and, and went to Europe, it's not like everybody's not, doesn't get that, you know, like mm-hmm. we're community and that we automatically stand with each other. And that is a very touchy subject with me right now because it's, and, and I don't want to be like, you know, one of our presidents, I can't remember, he came from your state. I don't know if it was junior or senior, but it was like either you're for us or against us. 
And it's like, I'm kind of adopting that attitude now. If you're not standing with black women, I don't know who you're standing for. And I'm not sure I want to stand next to you. Mm. And that's like almost, yeah, shocking to me to, to, but it's like, at this point, it's like, it's so clear to me, either you're standing with me. And if you stand with black women, you're standing with Asian people who are getting attacked now, you know, you're standing with immigrant children who are separated from their parents. You know, it's Mm. so simple to me. If you stand with me, you're standing for humanity. And Mm. a lot of people are willing to do that publicly and I you know I'm like I'm like to the point where I'm like what do I want to do I want to take collect black cards it's like you rescind yours to get that <laughs> you know what I mean you, you repoing uh black cards I repo. <laughs> I repo I'm calling for a repo because yeah. it's like it's repo please I've been cut can I apply for the job saying let's get because to me it's like come on what if, if you don't get it now you know, I'll give, you know, and, and, and that's one thing about living abroad, you know, whether you're living in Europe or anywhere, you, you find yourself thrown into this expatriate, expat community of people that you would never meet or talk to in your regular life in the States. Yeah. So, you know, you've got this common bond, like, okay, you're an American, you're in a different culture, or we can celebrate Thanksgiving or Fourth of July. But then when it comes down to like really talking about stuff, it's like, you know what? Uh-uh. It's, that's Okay. I don't have to have 4th of July with you because you're not really my ally. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think I've learned from 2020 to, to now. We Collectively, the world and us, we've gone through so many things that it's, it's and I, you know, ugh, I feel like I'm going on a tangent, but I'm in so many expat groups where you're like the majority, I'm sorry, the minority, because you're, you're a black expat and you hear all these white expats talking about, oh, I'm so embarrassed of, the, of Trump. I'm so embarrassed of America. I can't believe they're doing that. And I'm like, excuse me. Or, or or just somebody the other day. Oh, you know, all these mass shootings, which don't get me wrong, are absolutely horrible. Mm-hmm. But they're like, oh, you know, I don't feel safe in the States. I don't want to go back to this. I'm like, you know what? I can't wait to get back and see my parents. It's always been precarious and dangerous for black people in the States. Yes. The 1619. Yes. This is for you all of a sudden in 2021 being... You know, it's like, whatever. Yeah, no, I, I agreed. I, you were saying where there's some expats that are like, I can't believe this is American. All this it's like, for us, this is always American being who she's always been, as far and as I'm concerned. You know? That's not who we are. That's yeah, and, and for you to say all of a sudden now, all of a sudden you just see you're 40, 35, 50, and all of a sudden you're like, uh, you're like, oh, I don't feel safe to go home and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you know what? When have we ever felt safe? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, this, you know, that's not going to keep me from seeing my family. I take, yeah. We take a chance when we go to the mailbox. Come not on. to mention no, to the we store. We take a chance when we're sleeping in our own bed. Come in on. Our, oh, oh. In, our own, in our own homes. In our own homes, we're not safe. No. So I don't have any patience for these white liberal people that all of a sudden are ashamed of America or this. That I'm like, please. Then those people get on my nerves the most, I yeah. think, than other people that are like, oh my God, I'm so, I, you know, I, I, I can't imagine how you That's feel. That's one of those things. It's like you're half in. It's what, I don't know, what the, uh, what the old people say, you're pussyfooting. You're either. <laughs> <laughs> being with y'all I don't get to hear those expressions I know exactly <laughs> exactly and so I just come back and we're like I'm like you know new. I used to be like like a lurker or maybe just say positive things but now I'm like uh-uh no uh-uh no passes 
America's always been like that. Wake yeah. up call. Yeah. Hello. So agreed. Ooh, well, Adrian, you have gotten you key. If you never say another mumbling word, you've heard it preached on today. But Girl, I had a hot flash. I got. I'm having a hot flash over here with that. No, I got to fan myself. Because... No, we're gonna let you cool down. Right. Before we get into a few of the topics today, and also hear more about your background, we like to always welcome our family, I guess, with the game because there's nothing. You're not our family if you don't play games with us. Like that's yeah. something that we just. It's just. Our thing. So we hope that you don't mind. Playing no, I love it because it's like my family too. Met Rising Pictionary or other stuff. Yes. Like, yay! So what's the game? What's the game? So Tarion, I'm gonna let. Of course. Have you, you ever played? Sure. Have you ever played or heard of the game like One Gotta Go or One Gotta Go Forever? Ooh, no, but I like the theme. Okay, it's pretty simple. I throw out a couple of scenarios. Okay. You got to pick one that has to go forever. Okay. Okay. Does that make sense? Okay. Forever. And forever. Ever. Okay. It has to go forever. So my first, my first grouping, I only pick one. Okay. Getting enough sleep, having a social life, or progressing in your career. One of those has to go forever. Okay. That's easy for me, based on my life experience, the career. Okay. And the reason I say that is because I first got married when I was 22. My husband was 24, African-American, Marine Corps officer. He was one of my good friends, very best friends, cousins. So when I met him, married him, I think we moved three times in four years or something. So I was constantly giving up a job and moving and supporting him and amplifying his career. And I I did it without even thinking about it because I was raised old school. Like, you know, your husband is the head of the household. You know, I, I can remember my grandfather's uh, funeral when my mother spoke. And no, my, I'm sorry, my grandmother's funeral. And when she said, you know, like her father was the head of the family, but her mother was the neck on which that head stood. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you if you can visualize, you can't, you know, if you if you have a head with no neck, that's, you know, something's yeah. not working. Right. So, <laughs> so it was like normal for me to want to support my husband. It's like, and then I knew I'm a married Marine, you know, we move. So I was constantly giving up my career. And then if you, if you, you know, you do, you do that when you're 22, 23, 20, you know, when, by the time you're 30 or whatever, it's like, okay, where's my pension? You know, I, I you know, you're, you realize what you give up. Mm-hmm. So I can easily say my career and, but I can also say on a positive side, it just forced me to, build a career or build or do things that I never even that are unconventional that may not look like a typical career but I definitely don't have the pension I could have had if I didn't move around if I can have the titles or or or, or, so career just to say okay okay Yana yeah I'm I'm actually but but at the same time I don't want to say I'm not bitter because there are times I'm bitter Well, I'm gonna say the career. I'm gonna say the career. The career can go. It actually did. When I the corporate life. But no, seriously, for me though, I think Terry, you and I were talking about this before. Mm-hmm. Um, reported today is that as you can get older, especially living in this black experience, mm-hmm. you become to value peace, mm-hmm. yes, and freedom, yes, over anything. Yes, yes. yes. 
No career has ever given me that. Okay. That's so beautifully said because you're absolutely right. Yes. Three for three. Career can go. Same. Gave up my career and and willingly gave that thing up because like Yana said, it caused me so much angst and stress to the point where my husband was like, I was coming home every day. He was like, who are you? I don't know who you are. You're not the same person. I was just high level stress every single day when I was coming home from work. And so and you know how y'all know how I am about some sleep now, child, because I got to get yeah. my sleep. I'm a sleep yeah. advocate. She gonna yeah. lay down. I'm gonna take a nap. I'm gonna take a nap. <laughs> I'm gonna take make me lay down. That's right. You know, I have to, you know, I'll lay down when my body, you know, I'll be like, go lay down. Somebody. But I need yeah. enough, I need enough sleep so I can go have my social life so I can hang out with my people. Right. You um, know I do want to say <laughs> that we were in the position that we did not have to imagine if you didn't have a supportive husband or family structure. Mm-hmm. I respect the women that are out there hustling because they got kids to feed. They got rent to pay, you know, so career, but you know, I don't, and, and I think a lot of people that get caught up in that, that's not even a career. It's just a job. And, right. and I love how mm-hmm. you, you said career is a completely different thing and you can get invested in something and you realize it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Just like you said, you know, Karen, you're coming home. Your husband's like, who are you? Yeah. You know, and Yana, you're like, I can let that go. So I, I, I'm so proud of us that the three of us realize that, you know what, that's not anything to get hook, hooked up. I mean, you take, some, you take some sacrificing. It's Definitely. not one of the things you just wake up to and there's still things that you give up from giving that up that you yeah. lived and had when you had that in your life. Absolutely. When you had the career. But well, for me, the peace meter, the peace meter is off the chart. I know. Man. But also because, you know, I feel like we have this in common, you know, that we come from families that they want us to be educated and they tell us we can do anything, you know, like they encourage mm-hmm. us, mm-hmm. you know, and you have this vision and then, you know, you get out there and, and, and in a lot of instances you realize, you know, like what, this isn't worth it. There's, there's yeah. other ways to, to, to feel fulfilled and to make a difference. And I think a lot of people get caught up in careers that aren't making a difference. You guys are making yes. a difference. Yeah. You know, yeah. When it comes to this and what we do, we live for this because it, it ties back into the peace. Yeah. In the freedom. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yes. And wanting to see that more for our other sisters out there that's trying yeah. to find some peace, sliver of peace, if, even if it's just an hour they listening to someone else. Whew, and you know right what? There. You know, and that's, to me, that's such a power, oh God, I don't want to cry, but that is such a powerful thing because to be a black woman, I, I, this is what I've discovered, you know, I've, I've, I've not been everywhere, but I have been to Asia, I have been to Africa, you know, I grew up in the States, I live in Europe. To find peace mm-hmm. for us as black women on any of those continents that I've, that I've, it's elusive. It's not given. A lot mm-hmm. of people in the States are like, oh, if I leave the States and I move somewhere else, I'm going to be so much better. It's like, no, you know what? No. You go to Asia, certain parts, and you're like, everyone wants to touch your hair or they want to talk to you or they want to take a picture mm-hmm. with you. And they're like, mm-hmm. and you're like, that's not peace. Okay, I'm out of the States. Maybe you're not trying to kill me, but I'm like a zoo animal. That's not right. Yeah, yeah, that's so actually it, one of the questions I wanted to ask you. I know we're jumping ahead and we'll get back to like a little bit more of your backstory so you can get yeah. like more of our listeners, a little glimpse of you and your story. 
of today. But since we kind of touched on that, how has your experience abroad, like broaden your perspective of life beyond the U.S.? Yeah. Well, you know, that's such a good question. And thanks for asking me. I know when I first, first, okay, the first time I left well, the continent, okay, because I've been to Canada and Mexico, I guess the Caribbean, you know, you're in the islands or all. But my first major trip was to Senegal. And I'm so glad my first, I was one of those people that when you got off the plane, I was like on the ground, kissing the ground, you know, I was like, you know, I was one of those people. Yeah. Freak at the time, era freak. I don't, I think it's out of business, but you know, it was like black, black flight crew from the pilots to the flight, you know, it was just like black, black, black. And then you get yeah. there, you know, I'm kissing the ground and then like you exchange your money and it's black people on the money, you know, looking like me with their head wrapped up. Or, you know, just black people on the money. And to me, that was like so powerful to see black people on the money. So to have that experience where you're there and, and, you know, just when you're back in Africa and then, but that's, that's powerful. But then at the same time, you're like so foreign because you're American and you're so Western. And I can remember being with a group of people and we were eating and I was using a fork and knife and they were like, sister, sister, use your hands. Don't be so Western. And you're like, Wow. I'm Western. Like, you don't even necessarily think that you're Western. Mm. So traveling, so that's like, you know, it's, and then that's kind of like a, like, wow. I don't want to say it's a slap in the face, but you think here I am on the continent with my people and they're looking at me like, you're Western. So it's like, you're foreign, but they're like, they're still welcoming, but it's still, the differences are just so clear. Yeah. You know, so. But do you feel more inclusive there? Although there's a kind of like that, I get that kind of like, Oh, definitely inclusive. Yeah. Definitely, Yana. Definitely inclusive. It was never, a t- it was never where they made you feel bad. It was just more of kind of like, oh, you don't have to do that. You're here. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have to use that fork and knife. The freedom like, of that. Exactly. The freedom in that. Yeah, exactly. So it was more like that. Like, sister, sister, put, put that fork and knife down. You know, like, look at us. We want to teach you, you know, like your home. You know, you can, you can do this. You know, you can be like, you know, this is how we do it. And that mm-hmm. was powerful and it's emotional. And you don't even realize that you have all these Western ways. Just like we were saying, like the importance of career and what that means. It means something different in different places. So it's like you have all this Western stuff that's ingrained in you that you don't realize. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. you get there and they're like, sister, sister, welcome. You know, sister, sister, you know, eat with your hands. Sister, sister, you know, and they want to do your hair, you know, put you in their clothes. And it's just a wonderful thing. And then, you know, you go to places like Europe. And then I can remember one time when I lived in Brussels, trying to date and going out with this guy and Belgian guy and Belgian meaning not uh, of African descent because mm-hmm. you know, we're mm-hmm. everywhere mm-hmm. and eating. And he was like, if I didn't know you were American, I would think you had the worst eating habits. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I know how to use a fork and knife. But then it was like through his lens. Exactly. Terry, I see your eyes. I know exactly. <laughs> I was just that horrified. I was just that horrified. And luckily, but thank God, I had that experience of being in Africa where this guy was like, put your fork and knife down. But I, I was using it properly. But he was like, and then you realize and you look at other people and it's like, okay, they do have a little. And then you go home and you start looking at people and you're like, and then you like, forget that. Do not try to judge people by European standards. So your brain gets mixed up in all these kind of things. So you get one, you know, you're in one continent and people are like, put the fork and knife down. Then you're in another country. They're like, oh, you have horrible eating habits. And you're like, are you effing kidding me? 
goodness. That and that's like on a date. I was like, okay, oh. this isn't going anywhere. I'm like, I'm glad this, you know, I found this out now because this is, you know. But he was like, right. I you were American. And I was just like, and then you're like, oh, you know, then you you get sensitive about the tax of being American. And then you're like, you know, really? I'm over here defending America at the same time they're trying to kill me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to kill me? Well, isn't that loaded? <laughs> yeah, so, so sometimes, you you know, you get you throw yourself out here. And, and whether you're home in the States, in your neighborhood, or you're out there in the world, you're like, I just can't win. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So why Sweden? Only because this man that I met, I would have never... <laughs> thought about living here. I guess, you know, if I were to think about, like, if you were to ask me before I met this, my husband, I shouldn't say this man, my son, (laughs) but it was definitely, it wasn't a career move. I have met other Americans, African-Americans that have come here for their jobs. And I can say, you know, for people that are like thinking about, they want to escape and go somewhere. First of all, look at Sweden's COVID policy. We can look at that different uh, later. Mm. But if you have, if you're in IT or something, you can come over here. So, but a lot of people come over here for love. And that's one thing I did. I was, and again, we're talking about career. I had rebuilt a career. I was in Brussels, had my own apartment career, gave that up again, come over here. But because I, you know, we say career, like love and family is more important and happiness and self-fulfillment. So that was an easy thing for me to walk away. But again, I can, I'm easily bitter. I come to find out. And if he gets on my nerves, I'm like, you know what? I gave up. But you can't do that in a relationship because I did that willingly. And that's the other, and, and that ties into when you are in a foreign country and you're African American, which means to a lot of people you present African. You know, we're part of the diaspora, mm-hmm. and they want to treat you like a refugee or whatever. And you're like, you know what? You don't know who I am. Why would you? T- you don't know who you're talking to. Why? And what's wrong with being a refugee? You know, like you just, you you get to live all these different experiences unwittingly because people, you know, they will just look at you and they don't know what, what, what you are. And then when you open your mouth, oh, you're American. But then you get that thing, well, where are you really from? Mm-hmm. You know, you say you're American. Well, well, what do you mean? You know, well, well, where are your parents from America? Well, where America? You know, like I just, I happen to be from a family that, you know, we've got the family Bible with like the entry from 18, whatever, because, you know, that's where you put the births and stuff in. So it's like, right. okay, I know I can go to the 18 whatevers. So but so it's like you get challenged for like being, are you really American? And then you're in America and they're like, are you American? <laughs> you know how mm. they treat us? Yeah. So, you know, you kind of get that. And then you go to where my, I've had experiences in, a, in, in Senegal and Zimbabwe. You're African-American. They think you're rich. Mm. Because if there's, you know, I don't know, they read Ebony Jet, you know, they're like Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson you know, back then or, you know, whatever. So it's it's weird. It's a, it's an interesting thing being a black woman. You know, I don't know what it's like to be a black man, but a black woman traveling, di- or existing in different continents and different spaces yeah. because people have these preconceived notions. And we know what, and the, and the thing is like, we as bad as America is, we at least know where we stand. Right. Which brings me to a dividing question, then we definitely get to your backstory. Yes. So this is another one gotta go. <laughs> oh yeah, back to the game. <laughs> <laughs> life abroad and in its experiences or life in America and its experience. Woo 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 woo. No, you gotta give me three choices. <laughs> no, you get this. No, this is a, a, sometimes that can be two. three or two. <laughs> 
Which one's got to go? Well, then the life abroad, because I'm an American. I'm not going to give up. I was born in Washington, D.C. to two perfectly fantastic parents. I have a fantastic sister who's seven years older who asked for me. You know, there's this sweet little story when she went to my mom and said, you know, how much did I cost? And my mom was like, what do you mean? She's like, can you buy me a little sister? Oh. So I know I'm loved. I'm wanted. I've never felt anything like that. I have a fantastic family. I would never, you know, like a lot of Americans do with their citizenship. I'm like, you would have to pry my citizenship and passport out of my cold, dead hands. It's not mine to give up. Yeah. It's something that we fought for. We're still fighting for full citizenship. I will never, no, I'm an American, you know, and that comes with all the rights and privileges. And that means I get to travel and do whatever. But no, I would never not be an American. I don't, I wouldn't exist. If I wasn't an American, that's who I am. You know, like that, that you, I would be creating a different identity. So wow, no, that's, that's easy. I would never give up my 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 heritage and my my upbringing and my background. You know, Europe. You know, traveling is always a place that you can go. But I'm an American, proud for all its warts and stuff. I'm proud American. That's what I am. I'm. I, that doesn't mean I think my country's perfect. But to be an African American in the world, what I've learned. Other people from the diaspora, they look up to us. They look at our civil rights movement mm. as like something to hold up and behold. They haven't had that in France. They haven't had that in Germany. They haven't had that in the UK. They haven't had that in all these places that we occupy, all these other countries where we occupy these huge spaces where we made these huge contributions. You know, we have, we have set the standard for civil rights and uh, the perpetual fight for freedom. And we've done it through our music, through our art, through our, our, our writing, through our culture, through our taking the water hoses and getting mm-hmm. back up, you know, from the John Lewis's getting cracked in the head, mm-hmm. you know, and, and getting up and then going on and being, you know, a representative and, and changing yeah. laws, you know, so I would never, you know, no disrespect to, to our cousins and our relatives in, in the African diaspora, but we hold a special place. Everybody's history is unique, but, you know, the history of the United States and our struggle has been an inspiration to our, our cousins around the world. And I would never trade that for for any other identity. Wow. I love your take on that. Like, I just love your perspective. Your, I love all of that because, you know, because of things that we deal with in this country and it's like we can't win for losing. We feel like it's, you know, the constant fight and the constant struggle from day one. And so, yes, you know, then you, you kind of, you have this feeling of, of escapism. Like if I could just get away and just not be here, but your perspective from the standpoint of like, but I wouldn't be me. I wouldn't be who I am. If you would have a completely different identity. Well, Tara, the, let me tell you, let yeah. me tell you, not to cut you off, but yeah. here's the thing. We want to escape, but you can't escape your identity. No, you know, I know. I, 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 yeah. You get that. I'm still yeah. African-American, and people still want to talk to me about stuff. And then when you have stuff that happens, like the whole Black Lives Matter movement that we just lived through, you know, because that's our generation, what we're going through, that's with you. It, it yeah. hurts as much as if I was an eyewitness on the street, right? It's the same. It doesn't matter if I was on the street in Minnesota, witness it. it. It hurt me as much here mm-hmm. as it did. So there's no, and that, that's one thing I've learned. We cannot escape. We can maybe escape the 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 immediate pressures or circumstances, but we cannot escape our identity. And, and, yeah. and that goes with you wherever you wherever you are. 
Right, right. Well, and I think, you know, like you were saying, the fact that, you know, our, our brothers and sisters and our cousins that, that live abroad and everywhere else in the world, they, they view us in, from the standpoint of not even just the accomplishments, but the fact that we have been able to be resilient in our struggle and overcome. And you know what I mean? Like still do great things. And look, absolutely. Look, what we did with that struggle that, you know, we can talk about the whole history of America, Africans in America from 1619 to, to, mm-hmm. to present day. But if I, if we just, if we just take it back from like the fifties, like when the modern day, like, I don't know if you guys got to see on Hulu, you know, Billy Holiday versus United States of America. Yes. States versus, okay. mm-hmm. They call her the, the godmother of the civil rights movement. So if we take it from the forties to now, but even back, like Frederick Douglass and, you know, Harry Tuck, like the abolitionists that went around, you know, Europe and, and, and enlightened people to what was happening. But if you take it to the modern day, we are the only, I, I, and I don't want to say this, I, I, I take that back because I'm not a historian, but what we have done, we have made the laws change to say, treat us like equal citizens. That hasn't happened in the UK. There's tons of race or in France. Or mm. other places, like, you know, if you look at the former, colon, you know, like these, the colonizers, you know, the, the European colonizers, mm-hmm. if you look at the countries where we have immigrated to because of colonization, for example, France, huge black population, UK, Germany, even tons of black people there, you know, we can go on. There has not been a movement in any other country, Western country that I'm aware of, and I would love to know that, that we're not alone that has taken it to the courts and said, you know what, treat us like equals. That has not happened in France. Hmm. That has not happened in the UK. That has not happened. And so that's like, oh, that's inspiration. And people, that's why this Black Lives Matter movement is global. Hmm. Because people are like, it's happening here too. We're with you. Why do you think people care about Breonna Taylor? You know, the names, there are too many names to list. And, you know, Trayvon Martin. Why do you think people got upset about Trayvon Martin? Why people are like watching what's happening with George because they know in France that could happen to me. It happens there, but mm-hmm. it's not going to change the law. There's not going to be some movement. I shouldn't say it's not going to be. There has not been some movement Like maybe an option. Like, you know, we know we could see like, you know, the Caribbean countries, all these African countries, they're like, okay, we're going to be free. You know, they threw off colonialism. They did that. Great. Yeah. Pan-Africanism. <clears throat> God bless. You know, we know that. But as far as changing the law in the United Kingdom, to say that, you know, it's against the law to discriminate against black people for housing. We've got those laws. Now, we're still working to make sure that they're, they're that that's played out. And so that's one thing that I hold on to. But at the same time, it's like, oh God, how many generations is it going to take before? And you know what? I don't know. Do you guys know? Have you heard this? I think it was Coretta Scott King that, if I can paraphrase her, she said that every generation has to have like their civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. Like it's not just like one movement. So this is our generation movement with, you know, but we haven't seen that in other places. But we were the good thing I think about being in the African diaspora is that we know enough to know that if it's going to happen, if it happens over there, then that's going to help us make it happen over here Mm. where we are. Mm. And that's one thing, the fact that that, that you do get when you're an African-American and you do move abroad, you do get this respect that you don't even realize other people have because they're like, we saw you. We know King. We know Malcolm X. You know, we know Billie Holiday. We know Jesse Owens even. Mm. You know, they know all of our music, all our, con- you know, and it's like stuff that's like, really? 
Like my husband, he's like, oh, I know about the Civil War and this, that, and, you know, they know all that stuff. Yeah. So that's one thing that's empowering. But, you know, then you have the backlash, like, well, then why is America still so effed up? And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, good question. We learn mm-hmm. from the dogs. <laughs> you know, we need to teach us a little better. Or we need to work together. But so, yeah, I would never not be an American because I don't have to be proud. But, I, you know, it's, it's like everybody's got like that crazy uncle or that, that, that cousin who embarrasses you or whatever. But they're still family. Yeah, 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 you're right. You're absolutely right. But, you know, like you would have, and I, I will say it again, you would have to pry my American passport out of my cold dead hands. I can, I can see that. But sometimes mm-hmm. I be wanting to bop, 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 American. Here's the thing, bop, bop, and come. And, that, and, and, and that's good because you do get this thing. Because I can remember when I first moved to Europe, it was like I knew it wasn't perfect, but I still felt like I could breathe in a different way. Yeah. You know, it was just like, it was like, okay. So they're just going to see me as an American and in that, and how I get treated is going to, like, once we get through the, you know, like that 20 minute conversation about like, where are you really from? Right. You know, cause they don't want to just take America as like the end thing. I got to be somewhere from Africa, you know? And it's like, well, you know, yeah, but trust me, I'm generations old American. Yeah. Of course I come from, you know, are you going to grill the Italian American? You know, whose great great grandmother come over and say, Where are you really from? You know, so right. stop that. So you have to you have to give people shade and be like, Look, I don't you know, I may not be fluent in your language, you know enough English where I can say, Look, you're messing with me now. Yeah. I don't have patience with that. I'm not the one that's gonna teach you this. But if I tell you I'm an American, trust me. Take my word for it. You know? Yeah. So once you get past that, there is a little bit of a freedom that you do have. But at the same time I realize don't be naive because, you know, mm-hmm. I can remember being in, I can't remember the year, but reading a story about, I think it was, it wasn't African-American, it was African, and he had a son, I think it was in southern Sweden, and I don't know exactly who attacked him, but then somebody tried to throw him off the bridge. Like, oh, somebody, there was like, they, somebody had messed with his little son, like knocked the toy out of his hand, and you know, father protected him, they tried to throw him off a bridge. And I was like, you know, I'm walking around in Sweden, like I'm safe and black, and I'm like, you know what, we're not safe anywhere. Yeah. So yeah, if you keep that, and it, and then you you try to take it to like degrees of safety, like you know how it is in the states, you know that's talk you have to have with your sons and your kids, you know the police stop you, this is what you do. I don't have that same level of fear if, the, mm. if I were going to be involved with the police here. I would have more level of fear of just a random person walking down the street, thinking that they wouldn't value my life in the same way. But mm. I don't have a fear of the police the same way, but. I, I, I know enough to know that in the UK, black people die in police custody disproportionately to non-black people, mm-hmm. you know, like or, or people of color, for sure, mm-hmm. die disproportionately in police custody than your classic British person mm-hmm. would, wow. you know, what you would think. So, so I, you know, I, I learned not to, like, I can't walk around with a false sense of security but it, I don't have to walk around with the same fear I would necessarily walk around with in the States, depending on where I am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you guys come balance. Once you get your vaccines and things open up, you're so more than welcome to come and visit. I'm going to hold you to it, actually, because like I say, I'm lonely. So you come visit. <laughs> 
We're vaccinated. vaccinated. I don't even know. Are you vaccinated yet? We are. I don't know. Sorry, y'all. I just put it all out. You halfway, but yeah. I got mine when I was home because my husband was like, get it before you come back because things are moving. You know, Europe is about six months behind. Really? U.S. I heard that. Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. And you know what they're doing now? Because somebody told me that the manufacturers have stopped exporting vaccine. Because they want to make sure they have enough for their countries. So if yeah, you're not from a country where you're making it, have you heard that? I heard countries are hoarding. Yeah. Yes. So what people are doing, like like the vaccine I had, I had the Pfizer, so it's three weeks apart. So now the mm-hmm. people are getting it, and they're, they're like they get their second one like two months later or whatever, mm-hmm. because they want to make sure everybody can get their first dose because they don't have enough, and then they're hoping they'll have enough. I'm like, ooh, girl, cousins, I'm so glad I'm vaccinated. But my husband yeah. had a mild case of the COVID. Of the Rona. He had a mild Rona. case of the Rona, but he's back to work and stuff. And his brother is a um, doctor. And he said, you know, he probably boosted your immunity to, to these mutations. Because oh. I had to get tested again because I was living with somebody with COVID and I'm totally no COVID. I was like, Pfizer's work. So mm-hmm. to anybody that's thinking about not getting the COVID because I'm mean, not getting the COVID, but the vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> Look, nobody should be thinking about getting the COVID, right? right. Corona. But if anybody's hesitant about getting a vaccine, just really, 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 really think thinks long and hard about because it's disparate. And here's, you know, I know I'm getting off topic, but it's disproportionately affected us in the UK and Sweden and France. And when I say us, I mean black people. Mm-hmm. We're disproportionately affected everywhere, not just the states. And I'm like, how can that be? And it's not, it has in, nothing to do with genetics, but it has to do with we live differently when it comes to like housing opportunities. Mm-hmm. You know, we're more likely to be multifamily together to, to be able to afford decent housing, whether it's in the States or Europe. I'm finding the same thing. Like when you present yourself at a hospital in the UK or France or Sweden and you're black, they may not take you seriously. With your, with your sim- it's the same thing. So that's the other thing. People are like, I want to bounce. I want it. It's like, you know what? But there's still, it's just different um, same hurdles, levels of severity. And same story, different destination. Man, different destination. I tell people, you know, you know, that they say the grass is, it's like, it's just a different shade of green, yeah. more, but the grass mm-hmm. is still grass. Yeah. So, but I think the advantage of being an African-American and moving somewhere else is like, our skin is so thick. You know, like we've seen it all. We've been so tested mm. before, you know. So when I see that person that maybe out of curiosity is trying to touch my head, it's like, you know, I'm swift. It's like, <laughs> I got that swivel. I've been like, yeah, you know, like we've been through that before. <laughs> you know, I, 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 mean, I don't understand. You know, just even on that topic and then we can move on. But just even on that topic of like not touching our hair. Why is that a thing where only black were ever? Cause we don't go around trying to touch your everybody hair. I don't care to touch your hair. Definitely not strangers. I mean, like somebody you know, you're like, oh baby, look at your hair. That looks so good. You know, that's different. But yeah, I don't know. And I talk, I had this conversation with, well, a Facebook conversation with somebody who was like, oh yeah, you know, well it used to be, you know, she was a white woman and she used to be like, you know, well yeah, you know, we was used to get the hair set, the roller set, and we'd be like, don't touch. I was like, it's not the same. Hey, don't try to. Co-op usurp my Ooh. experience. Yes. When you're talking about, I got a fresh dude on touch my hair. I was like, was it a black person trying to touch your hair out of curiosity, by the way? Or you were just saying that, you know, it's a completely different thing. And yeah. I, I, I think that 
a lot of it is, well, definitely straight up curiosity. And I can remember being like nine years old in camp with Eleanor Swearinger, who was my best friend. And it was in West Virginia. We were the only two black girls, at least in our cabin. And we used to ride horses. It was in West Virginia around a lake. And I can remember being in the cabin. And, you know, at night, she was like parting my hair, greasing my scalp, you know. And the white girls were like, ew, what are you doing? You're putting oil in your hair. If you did it. And we were like, yeah. And they were like, oh, you know, if you did that, our hair would be so greasy. And we were like, but then we were like, you know, we were like, it was a new experience for both of us. And then remember in the morning, they woke up and their hair was greasy. We were like, they didn't have greasy hair. They didn't put greasy <laughs> hair. But they woke up greasy and having a shower, you know. And so the, so the idea of putting grease in their hair just like blew their mind. Right. Because, and then we saw the next day, oh, they wake up greasy. Okay, yeah. And then have to wash their hair. But it was just a completely... So it was, and I was like, okay, that's okay for, and I can remember this boy, maybe in school, maybe it was camp, wanting to touch my little afro. And he, he asked me though, purple, you know, like innocent little nine-year-old, can I touch your hand? And I was like, sure, you know, I didn't think anything weird. And he was like, oh, it's so soft. And I remember thinking, what did he think it was going to feel like? You know, but I was like, you know, that's okay. You're nine. But when you're like 35 trying to touch, then no, Sorry. Because I feel like at that point, as an adult, you are not curious. You don't respect my boundaries, my personhood, and you feel like free reign because you look how you look and you have access to everything. And so you feel like you have access to my personhood. And that's a no-no. But even with all of that, that's just <laughs> it's a personal space. You don't go, even if it's... That's what I'm saying. I can't even talk about hair. Body and gender. That's what I'm saying. You put your hands on your body without me asking. Yeah. I got a bubble. But just me, like, so anywho. Well, you know what? Well, you know what? That That is a tender subject for us because black women have never had ownership of our bodies. If you, talk, if you look about the history of America. Absolutely. We never own our own bodies, Thanks. you know? And so that's, that's a very sensitive thing. You know, we can, you know, it's a very ugly thing to talk about, but, you know, we didn't... From the time we set foot on the on, on in North America, we didn't have possession of our bodies, and it, mm-hmm. it, our bodies were violated in ways uh, unspeakable horrors. So yeah, so it's part of that. Like you still think you can just touch me? Like okay, you're not going for my, you know, in a sexual way or whatever. But the hair is a very intimate thing. I did right. not mind that, you know, and I, I would welcome curiosity with young kids at that thing. Because like I said, me and my girlfriend, Eleanor, our eyes were like huge when we saw what, what they were going to look like when they woke up in the morning, like greasy and streaming. Right. And you were children. I think children, yeah. that, that's a that's a learning experience, right? But I'm talking about grown adults or people who you've gotten to a point where you know you shouldn't be no. touching somebody, period. No. You know what I mean? And now this we just think we can do... Yeah, whatever. But I know I, I, I totally I totally understand that. I wish we could sit and talk about this particular topic forever because we can go on and on about our hair. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Raw hair is definitely definitely. without even Man. trying. Yes. It's political without and I'm like, how can something going out of your head be political? But it is. But it is. But I, I wanna talk to you about the work that you were doing because you yeah. This wonderful sign back there behind you says, says fighting for us. And you were doing some fighting for us abroad. Now, you're an advocate for overseas voters and a member yes, of the ma'am. Democratic National Committee with Democrats ab- abroad. Yes, ma'am. Can you tell us what has that experience been like for you? You know, and I'm guessing like you, like, I don't think voting or 
like, I don't know if it was a rite of passage for you. Like, uh, you know, like getting your driver's license, registering to vote. Like, it was just like one of those things, like you knew you were going to do, like when the time came, mm-hmm. like when your age came, you know, so voting has always been something, you know, that I was going to do. And when I moved overseas, I knew that I could vote absentee ballot. That was just something that I, I knew. But I, before I knew about Democrats abroad, but what I, what, one reason I'm a, a passionate overseas voter advocate is that a lot of people don't realize that, you know, you can, even, you can vote. Mm-hmm. You can vote. Like we were talking about the power of the passport. No, you know, you don't want to give up your passport. It's like, well, then, you know, you need to vote. And Americans that live abroad, you need to file taxes. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to pay taxes, but you have to file. So if you've got that obligation and, you know, Americans, you know, it's our God-given right to, you know, do whatever, you know, wear a mask, not wear a mask, or not wear a mask. But, well, it's your God-given right to vote. You know, and we know that they're trying to take that away from us. So I'm like, black people, wherever you are, vote. And especially Americans, vote. You live abroad, vote. And a lot of people just don't know they can do it. So I I, 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 I want to say it's my mission. I'm like, I'm part of an organization. Democrats abroad, we exist to get out the vote, to let Americans know that you can vote. And then the second part of that is to talk to the issues that Americans abroad face that are unique to the ones that, that we face when we're at home. So we have the shared values, like, you know, we want to have a good environment. You know, we want to have a justice system that's actually fair. You know, we want to have health care. You know, we, we, we have all of that, but then we have some issues that are unique. So I'm definitely passionate about letting Americans know that you can vote and that you should vote and that if you have a passport, it's your it's not just your right. It's like your duty. I believe in citizenship. You know, like I don't want to litter like, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like I sound corny, but it's like it's just like no, no. part of your good being a good citizen. Like you have right. to vote. And yes. it's a very weird thing to me that people are like, oh, I don't want to vote. My vote doesn't count. It's like if your vote didn't count, they wouldn't be trying so hard to take it away from you. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't have denied it to us mm-hmm. for so long. Which actually is a a point I want to address since now, you know, this last election has, you know, certain things happened that has never happened before. And what do you mean? Take as far as, you know, Georgia flipping blue and with all the different changes there. And then, you know, with COVID season, the absentee ballot was a really high volume ballot that really made change the course of this election this year, this past election year. So. With that said, there are now new laws that are being implemented in different states, with Georgia being the first, that are now trying to counteract against and make, I guess, absentee voting and some other things for voting too in general, but particularly absentee voting much harder to do. Is that something that you guys are talking about abroad and kind of like how, what work are we? Look, are we? We're like boiling, boiling hot, like from, and here's the thing that's, this is when it's embarrassing to be an American. When my husband is like, so Georgia says it's against the law to give people standing in line water, you know, or you're saying you can't vote on a Sunday, like anything. This is one thing that I can say for sure in Sweden. Well, and because it's, it's, it's against the law not to vote, you will get fined. If you don't vote. And I think it's the same thing in Australia. There's a penalty to pay for not voting. So mm. that's the other extreme. Like in the States, they go through, through all, all, you know, they will do anything they can to keep you from voting. 
to telling people that, you know, it's not safe to vote by mail. We've been voting by mail in the state since the Civil War. You know, that's just a fact. That's a fact. So if we can vote safely in the 1860s in the Civil freaking War, you're going to tell me in 2020 that we can't do it safely? This is the safest election that we've had in modern times. Did I say it's perfect? No, because people are involved. They're mistakes. They get caught. They get fixed. There's no willful voter fraud. So, yes, this stuff that's going now, we we look at it as like criminal. We take it personally. It's an attack on my rights, on my freedoms, on a democracy. We hold ourselves up to be the greatest democracy in the world. You know, we we as African-Americans know we're the biggest hypocrisy in the world. You know, we know that. That's one thing that we can say firmly. And, you know, I'm not giving up my citizenship. I'm going to make you hold, you know, I'm going to hold you up to your promise. That Massa Jefferson wrote, you know, all people are created. Well, I'm going to make Massa Jefferson. We're going to make that stuff that he wrote a reality, you know? So we look at this as like, we take it personally. This is a front. And and it's an affront on our military. So you're going to tell our military that, that they can't vote by mail? You're going to send them on the front line, but then you're going to say they can't vote by mail. So it's not just about being the person that sent overseas to work or went overseas for love, but this is affecting our military. Those are the majority. I mean, that's a huge population of our overseas voters at any given time. You know, the big burden we place on our military, what we ask of them. So that's why we feel like we have the moral high ground and that this shenanigans or whatever that they try to pull on the state level, I feel like it's, uh, you know, uh, again, I'm no scholar, but it's got to be unconstitutional. You know, I think the Supreme Court's going to have to test this and turn this around. But you can't tell an American that they can only vote if they come to the polls in person. That's voter suppression. We've been voting by mail, as I said, since the Civil War. So these voter suppression tactics and this is why we know we're effective. This is why we know our vote is important. And if yeah. if they're going to try to do it, you know, and the whole Sunday thing stroll from the polls, you know, the, we know the importance mm-hmm. that the African-American church has in the yeah. community. Yeah. Go to the polls. They try to take that away. Yeah. 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 You know, but my husband will look at me like, you can't give people water. It's like, that's a civil, that's like a human rights violation. Right. How can you not give a thirsty person water? Right. In the, in the greatest country, the most wealthy country in the world. But it's so yeah. many things that are padded into just the Georgia one. Because there are other like, states that are now trying to adopt their own version. They're trying to gear it up as an integrity type right. case law. But, but, Which, but there's I, so much padded in that. I actually wrote about it. In, tell me, in, for example, a couple things that really get a magazine. If you want to check that out. Now. But no, um, <laughs> what was that, Adrian? Well, like, what, what, just tell me a couple things that really get on your nerves about it. Like you said, that are padded in. Well, of course, we talked about, so, for instance, Georgia, we actually live, we actually have a lot of family that lives in Atlanta, in, in, mm-hmm. in the Atlanta area, so this affects a lot of our family, too, and also from living there. So, one thing that is going on is that they, you know, the the Atlanta metro area is majority black, black. <laughs> and <laughs> what they're now doing what they've inputted, what they've implemented in this law is that now they are, for one, they're lowering the number of ballot boxes for the absentee based on population. So you think about all the major counties that surround Atlanta. So you got like, I don't know all of them, but like Gwinnett, DeKalb, Cobb, 
sports yeah. and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's a major area. And yeah. if you go from, I think there were, correct them, yeah, don't, 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 don't quote me on these numbers. I'm not looking at my article, I'm not looking at the numbers right in front of me, but just going to give like basic now. Say you start off with 75 boxes mm-hmm. for this square mileage of area that covers millions of people. Mm-hmm. Now you're bringing that down to, you're trying to say per population, per like 300,000, you get one box now. Mm-hmm. So That's you're, you're dramatically cutting that in half. It's just bananas. And, and not only that, they now are cutting back the time for the, 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 you know, where you can't, as far as early voting time. So, so you think yeah. about it, the Atlanta Metro is more working black Americans in this area. Disproportionately so Yep. Right. So what used to be more like they're given, I think, the will of the county to make the decision. So mm-hmm. they have the option to extend it to seven or they can make it be like eight to five. That makes a, a dramatic difference. Dramatic. Yeah. Dramatic. Absolutely. The yeah. access to so many people to get. And then you think about like access to the boxes. A lot, not a lot of people may have transportation. Yep. Or people are just not physically able yep. to do it. So it's just so many things. That's just one core piece. And then there's a, a piece where I think this is a direct shot to the Secretary of State there. They are now removing the Secretary of State's ability to certify elections. They now created this, their own board I that is, of course, that. elected, but it's elected by a certain party that mm-hmm. is in charge at that time. So it's not really bipartisan. If it's, exactly. I mean, nonpartisan. It's not really a right. nonpartisan committee that's over this if it's being created by the party in charge. Right. So. Right. They, they've given this power, they're moving the power from the Secretary of State to yeah. now giving the power and the will to this particular elected committee yeah. to determine if the election is certified or can pick yeah. it apart or whatever. So there's just, a, it's so many different pieces that's in there, y'all. Jim Crow point two. two point oh, one. yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. And, and, and that's the thing. I don't want to say that we got comfortable because, you know, I don't. Can we can we honestly say, you know, black people ever really been comfortable in the States? You know, but I think that we thought that this wouldn't couldn't happen, that we had the law on our side. But that's the thing about the law. It's fluid. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's you, you know, it's your legislators. They can they can. The, the people in Georgia, they did a little huddle and say, oh, my God, look what they did. You know, we got to push back. And that's the thing that we can't be complacent. And and, and, and the thing with me, and when I talk about with, with other people and Democrats about it, it's so exhausting because our election cycles are so long in any way. You know, like we, you know, like we're already thinking about midterms now, mm-hmm. you know, and then, you know, there's who's going to replace Debbie Holland as, you know, she's, you know, the first Native American sec- sec- uh, Secretary of Interior, you know, so it's like, who's going to replace her in New Mexico? You know, and it's like, okay, New Mexico, you know, it's not a lot of huge African American population there, mm-hmm. but we got to make sure that what they, you know, it's a huge Native American population there. Yeah. So, you know, if, if, if their rights aren't respected, our rights aren't respected, you know, so it's like, who replaces her is important. So it, with Democrats abroad, it's, it's, it's uh, that's the thing. With Democrats abroad, we're the only state party that helps every other state 
elect Democrats. So there's an election all the time. There's a special mm-hmm. election. Somebody's always getting replaced. There's always something going on. It's not just like every four years or every two years. Right. There's always, there's always something. So we're constantly working on get out the vote. It's con, it's, it's a constant thing. And we have to be vigilant because like what they're trying, like, aren't they trying to do that same mess in Texas? Like stuff that they were doing in Georgia? You yes. Guys, the, they yeah. Are, they, yeah. They just yeah. signed some, some nonsense and he's, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. So the Democrats are brought us like, okay, it's easy to be thinking, okay, yeah, I don't have to, you know, if you're, if you're a voter, you're like, okay, I only have to pay attention, you know, on the, on the even years. Like, okay, I don't have to worry about who's going to be president until 2024. It's like, no, mm-hmm. you, we have to hold the house. We have to hold the Senate. Mm-hmm. Who's your governor? What's the mayor? You know, what's happening with your city right. council? You know, politics are very local. People are like, oh, it doesn't matter who's president. Well, if you think that, well, it matters who's on your school board, doesn't it? Yeah. It matters who some states elect, you know, like who's the sheriff in your town? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like what's the justice system like? You know, it's like we're constantly having to be vigilant and worry about who's on our side or who's not. Mm-hmm. You know, so, can I get birth control? Is, is, a, is, is, is an abortion legal in my state? You know, am I, you know, I'm a, I'm a single mother, you know, I need assistance for my kid. You know, like, what is that going to mean? You know, like what steps are they going to put me through to say that, you know, I can get, you know, benefits to help feed my child. And, you know, it's constant like, okay, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an hourly worker. You know, what protections do I have? You know, I work for a company. Can I have a union? You're like, who's, Mm. who's in my state that's like pro-union, pro-labor, you know, pro-family, pro-healthcare, pro-every, you know, we're constantly like, what are the gun laws in my state? You know, mm-hmm. like, you know, that whole thing, like in Florida, stand your ground. Could you really get away with shooting Tra- Trayvon Martin like that? You know, like, it's constant. So Democrats, about it's con- we're constantly worried about, you know, what's happening in everybody's different state. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, what what was like, what's the most challenging thing about you doing this work abroad in your mission? Like, is it constantly having to be immersed in all this information across the states and then making sure that, you know, Americans in in abroad are aware of the things that are happening to help you influence? It, you hit it on the head. Okay. Okay. And the, and the thing about it is good. I personally do not have to be up on it because we're hundreds of thousands of volunteers. Okay. I don't, I want to say we're probably up to 200,000. We're one of the largest overseas organizations of American volunteers. Mm-hmm. I do know that. And with that comes so much power because it's so much talent. Like we've got lawyers, we've got doctors, you know, so we've got people that can speak to the law. We've got people that can talk about what good healthcare looks like mm-hmm. because they know what it's like in their country. They know what socialized medicine looks like. You know, we know we've got members whose sons want to give up their American citizenship because they can't vote in their state, but they still have to register for the selective service in their state, mm-hmm. you know, for example. So we, we've got dozens of global committees that just focus on the issues. So there's, I don't have to know every state law, but I can go to my get out the vote committee. They know everything. They know what's going on. Like, like I'll, I'll see the message and I'll, I put something out on Facebook. That's why I know about the New Mexico thing. And I'm like, okay, I'm black. I didn't know a lot of people in New Mexico. 
that are black necessarily, but I don't know. And how many does it have to be? But I use my platform because then you know somebody else who lives in New Mexico and you need to tell them, hey, who's going to replace, you know, like we can't be complacent. We can't assume that a good person is going to be replaced by another good person. Mm. And when I say good person, I don't mean like doesn't, you know, is perfect. Right. But is looking at the big picture and is not as, you know, not, it's not about me. It's about us. If, if. If, the, if, if I'm from New Mexico and the Native American community there is being mistreated, then I shouldn't feel comfortable. Right. I can't they push the like, needle yeah. for what's right, no matter. Yes. Right. Thank right you. is right. Right is just. Thank you, Yana. That's yes. exactly. What's right is right. I and wish so more people thought like that. <laughs> well, well, that's the thing. That's the thing. We, we have to. Because what's the expression? You know, like none of us are free until all of us are free. Mm-hmm. You know, if 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 somebody's and you know, and this huge thing now about what's happening to Asian Americans or not just Asian Americans is happening in the UK. You know, being attacked on the street. You know, because whether it was because the, you know they thought they were the cause of COVID or you know, with a bunch of nonsense and people believe it, then you know. Then it's like, okay, oh, now there's this big movement for that. Well, we know how that is. It's like, okay, we stand with you because we know how that is. And if, mm-hmm. you know, they, if they punch you in the face, what's going to keep them from punching me in the face? Because mm-hmm. they don't like, you know, something that's going on right. with my community. So that's that's something that Democrats have brought. Yeah, we're, we're constantly, and it may seem strange to people because it's like, well, you don't live in the States. It's like, well, and that's what I was telling you. You can move, but you, your Americanism goes with you. Yeah. You know, that that's you can't you can move and you can reinvent yourself, but you'll always be an American unless mm-hmm. I don't know, unless you 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 totally that's your goal to to change your identity. But, you know, when I open my mouth and I've had this happen to me on the street, people come up to me and they think I'm African and then I open my mouth. They're like, oh, you're American. And then they're not interested mm-hmm. or they're more interested. It's weird. It's happened to well, me. You've you had that experience yeah. before. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, yeah. 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 Where is, where did that happen to you? We were in um, South Africa. In Cape Town. Oh, I saw my wish list. Where did you go? <laughs> Cape Town. Here it's beautiful. It is. It is, it is absolutely beautiful. Tell me what yeah. happened there. They it's got to a South just, African or? Well, we were just, we were there for a little, what? About a, little, a week. Yeah. yeah. But we noticed like on day two, when we would walk down the street, because we actually, where we, I think also queued, mm-hmm. where we stayed, it was like, upscale. I was gonna say polish, and nothing yeah. wrong. And let me just say this: is nothing wrong with us staying in posh places right. we deserve. Right, absolutely, right. absolutely. Well, so good for you. Right. So we were there, and actually on the first day, like three when I was down there working, they hairs turned, and we was yeah. like, "Is this a good thing or a bad thing?" Like, are yeah. we? Right? And then yeah, the second day, we were walking. And people would stop and turn their heads. And I was like, yeah, it's like, okay, is there something over there? It's like, what's going on? Yeah. And we were talking and we heard somebody walk by and it was like, oh, they're American. Oh, and it was yeah. like, it, it kind of offended, not offended us from the standpoint of, you know, then I did, I don't know. I don't know. Saying, but it was like, it, it kind of offended us in a way of saying like, we if, don't belong. We don't, if it wasn't exactly. because we were American. Exactly. We didn't belong in this part of town. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. No, I know what you're saying. It's hard to articulate. It's one of the things you have to experience. 
Yeah. But I know exactly what you're saying. So I'm so glad you had that. Well, I, I can't say I'm so glad you had right. that experience. Right. But I'm glad that you can relate because I, I get, I, I get, exa- and I've not been to South Africa, but that's happened to me in other places where people just don't kind of really like, like they feel like you're out of place. Yeah. Like, what are you doing here? And it's like, what do you mean? What am I doing here? You're here. Right. Like, I'd be here. And right. this perception too, because the other thing, because we were each, it was a couple's trip, so we were each with our husbands. Mm-hmm. And I guess the next perception was, oh, they're celebrities or they're right. basketball or the NBA players. Exactly. Oh, no, it's flexing. <laughs> yeah, they right. must be somebody. He's just saying our little boys to come. Right. <laughs> we normalize just so that. Black like people like traveling it. just cause. Right. I know. So, so there is that view, that whole kind of like viewpoint of just like even as our privilege, and I'm gonna go. We have a privilege as Americans, but, yeah. off, but yeah. still, it's like no. You may first of all, <laughs> we had to push back on some people that was like, you have a maid. It was like no, we might, we don't have. You know, mm-hmm. it's cracked up to do right. <laughs> so that don't judge us just because we're American that. That 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 is what signifies and validates this experience for yeah. us. Like, yeah. yes, classes. I totally get it. I totally <laughs> get it. And that is a in that a weird experience mm-hmm. to be in when you realize what's going on and you're like, seriously, are you kidding yeah. me? You know. And, and so yeah, I that is kind of part that can be part of your daily experience when you live abroad. Mm-hmm. And you know you experience it when you're a tourist, and then when you're a tourist, you're like, okay, you don't want that to be the whole, you know, you don't want that to a cloud over your experience about like why you're there. You're like, you right. don't want that to dampen, I should say, your, you know, your experience of like getting into the culture. But it's definitely, and that's that's the weird thing I think about being an African American tourist. I don't think white people don't they don't, they don't go through that. Yeah. At least, okay, maybe if they're the only white person in some really remote place, you know, they'll get, you know, they'll have some type of experience. But if they were just in Cape Town walking, you know, nobody would even look at them twice and wonder, are they local or not? Right. You know, but so I'm so glad that you, because it it is very hard to articulate. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that you know what that experience is. But so so take that and imagine if you had to deal with that every day Mm -hmm. and it's tiring. It can be tiring. And I, I I call that like part of the microaggressions that you have mm-hmm. to deal with. And they, yeah. they like chip, 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 chip away. You know, because it starts out like as a tourist, you're like, okay, then after a week, but then like, you're like, okay, seriously, it was like, okay, I'm your neighbor now. I've lived here for like, seriously, you're going to like freak out when you see me every time, you know, we, we're neighbors now. But yeah, it can be, I can freak my neighbors out just going to the mailbox, depending and not all my neighbors. I've got on this side and across the street, fabulous. But there's one set of neighbors that just like I don't. I don't know. I think just me living and breathing freak them out sometimes. Yeah. And and then and that's the thing. It's like, well, is it because I'm American? Because I've heard a lot of people say in Sweden, well, they just don't know how to deal with Americans. And I'm like, what do you mean? They eat. They love our music. They there's this culture here in Sweden where they love American cars. Oh. So they have all of that. It's like they love our culture, but then when they have to deal one on one with an American, it's like difficult. And then if you're black, it's like it it's, it makes it even more weird for them. So yeah. I don't know what what that's about. But then you at some point you get tired and you're like, you know what? It's, I'm not the one that's going to help you get over this. Yeah. You know, like I don't. I'm glad and you I think you can that. relate to that because like yeah. here, like when people are like 
if you have white friends or other people like trying to make sense of Black Lives Matter, what's going on? It's like, you know what? You need to do that work on your own. Yeah. Right. Yep. yep. Well, amen. Amen. There's so, before we get ready, because we're getting ready to draw near clothes, and there's so many. Things oh, it's not another game. But no, I want to like, <laughs> wrap this conversation up with a pretty bow and get back to oh. positive imagery and exposure of black women and that's something that actually drew you and your platform to us because that's something that you do as well you've taken this on as well and you do it from lands that we don't get to view as often so you've taken the task to like shine and uplift black women in europe and you created this platform for women to connect what was your motivating factor and also to is this only exclusive to only American expats and dual citizens, or is any woman um, of African descent like can they gain access? Can we join? No. Oh, thanks so much. <laughs> oh no, 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 no! You guys, oh come on, get on board now. Um, it's totally. It started okay when I moved to moved to Brussels in two thousand four. We moved to Sweden in two thousand six, and when I moved to Sweden, I felt even more removed from the U.S. and I'm lucky. I feel blessed that I grew up in Washington D.C. when when it was Chocolate City, mm-hmm. and it, it makes me sad to even God. You guys are going to make me emotional to to know that my D.C. is so gentrified now that it's not it's no longer Chocolate City. But I grew up where you know I had all these positive black role models you know outside of my family and just was comfortable in my own skin. And then went to Howard University and you know. You know, anybody that's gone to HBCU knows how empowering that can be. So I was like, you know, I never even, you know, just to think about being, you know, you didn't even think about being black. Like it was just, it was just like, it was cool. It was okay. It was whatever. I never experienced racism directly. But when I moved to Europe, it was like, we are all these positive black women that are doing stuff that Mm -hmm. I was just so used to seeing. I was like, I know they're there. But then when I moved to Sweden, I was like, okay, I got a really dig in and find these people. So I started Black Women in Europe blog, totally out of selfish reasons, like a survival thing. And it forced me to do research. And I found, you know, Black women who were lawyers at like the the European Court of Human Rights in The Hague. Mm -hmm. You know, they were TV broadcasters. They were Olympians. You know, they were doctors. They were everything, you know, because, you know, we are everything. But they just were hidden. And when I say hidden... They were okay. I did see TV black broadcasters, but they were they would be so few. So it was like okay, we do exist. I have to find them. And once I started digging, there were just like so many and so many, and I would talk about them. And then I, it, it forced me to go back like in history. It's like well, this isn't anything new. And like people talk about like Meghan Markle coming into the British royal family. You know, they've been black British black royals before. Like Bridgerton isn't necessarily historically accurate, but there was a black queen in the royal family who I history says maybe came from the Portuguese royal family anyway. So it's not like it wasn't any new but but so it forced me to find all this stuff, you know. And then out of that a social network grew and there were other women like, oh my God, you're writing about this. I'm so glad to see this. I knew this was happening and then so, so it, it started from totally selfish reasons because I can't, I was so grounded and I was like, okay, I know that there are other of us, let's find it. And I never even thought or knew at the time that nobody else was doing it. 
Like maybe people were doing it for like country specific, but my thing was like Europe, big thing, Europe. And it's de- and my thing is like I did not want it to be about African American women. I was like, because I would, you know, the diaspora. I was like, they're French women who are black who. Mm-hmm. Before, you know, France colonized, whatever, we're there because we've always been everywhere, you know, and that, and mm-hmm. history doesn't want to talk about that. But, but I even found out here in Sweden, my husband said, yeah, well, they, like, if you go back to the 1500s or before they were, you know, these, these, these travelers that they call blue men because they were so dark, they were blue. And, you know, I, we know black people that have like the blue sheen, mm-hmm. you know, so I was like, okay, we know that. So it was like, it was for me, it was keep me sane. It was to help keep me grounded. It was to help keep me positive, to let me know, even if I'm not meeting these people one-on-one, they exist, and I need to amplify them. And I would have never, I I can't call it a calling, that sounds so crazy, but I feel like I was lucky enough to have, when I was in a work for an agency, communication agency, and we were kind of like cutting edge with the internet, like everything, like blogging was new, like everything was coming out, it just all came together at the right time. So I have two social networks. On Facebook, one is for sisters who just live in Europe. And the reason I separated from one's us and around the world, because a lot of people would come to the group and be like, oh, I'm in the States. I want to move. How do you do this? And I was like, okay, that's okay. But at the same time, we need something for people in Europe. Like, okay, I need support. And for example, there's a sister who's and moved to Germany to live with her boyfriend and he became abusive and she had to get out of it like immediately. And somebody else was like, oh, I live in your town. Come now. Just come to me. You know, so it was like, okay, we needed that. But we also needed something that may sound, you know, like, well, where do I get my hair done? You know, yeah, where do you get important. those products? <laughs> yeah, that's important. You know what I'm saying? Where do I get that those products for my Man. hair or my skin or the makeup? Because you go into the stores and it's like, there's nothing for you. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll go into a department store and that like Lancome, they'll have like a black model or whatever, and then you go look at the colors. It's like nothing. Mm-hmm. It's just like they have to use that marketing material because that's what Lancome Club, but they're not stocking those colors. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, so it's, so even for something like that, or just like, okay, I just meet who's in my hometown, who's ne- like who's within two hour radius. <laughs> Let's yeah. get together. You know, so it was, you know, I have traveled to Copenhagen, which is like an hour and a half just to have a picnic with other black women because we just want to get together and love on each other. Mm-hmm. You know, so it came out of totally selfish reasons. I can't say altruistic. I can't say I was trying to do something good for everybody. You know, it was just like, can I keep myself together? And then you realize that there are other people that are trying to hold on and keep themselves together. And then you just next thing you know, you've got a community. And then from there, it's just like, you know, well, what else can we do? How can I help you promote your business or, you know, what's your talent? You know, you're doing this. Okay. I'm going to share your video or, you know, you're, 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 you've got a a record, you know, or an album or this video, you know, just whatever. It's like, it came to the point like, I don't care what you're doing, but you're doing something positive. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell everybody, you know, from either, you know, you're the plant lady, you know, you've got your business. It was, it just made so much, you know, coming from Chocolate City, where everything was always about, you know, where you had the preacher and the pimp, you know, the mayor and, you know, the trash collector. you like, it was just a community. Everybody was respected. You knew what they were doing. So I was like, well, let's do the same thing over here. And mm-hmm. that's, that's where that came. I wish I could say it was because, oh, I wanted to do something good. It was like, girl, I have to save myself. No, and that's good enough. That's but good sometimes, enough. But sometimes that 
it makes the the mission even more authentic when you're not just trying to do it just to say I'm doing something good. Sometimes good yeah. just comes from you doing just what you move to do. And right. it's, well, you know, that's why we so the, why the three of us connect so much because your mission is like you know let's amplify with these. Uh, and here's the other thing: there's so much negative news about us. It's like yeah. people. It's like it's so easy to. And, and one thing I found about in Europe, they're like, oh, you know. People think you're a prostitute. Mm. Like you came over because a lot of us get trafficked. Yeah. You know, they promised these better lives or whatever. And we get trafficked. And it's like, you know what? I'm not, there's nothing wrong with you ending up on the wrong end of a deal. But even you need to see the positive stories that, okay, maybe you didn't come, you know, you didn't come here or the way you got here wasn't what you thought, but you're here now. And look at what these other women are doing. You can do Right beyond this, if that's what you choose, that's you know, right. I and I guess people who choose to be sex workers—that's an industry. What do they say? It's the oldest industry in the world, yeah. right? If they weren't custom. That's you know, I'm all about if that's what you want to do. It's nothing wrong with that. I'm not judging, but I don't want us to have. I realize that I don't want us to have these small dreams or get mm-hmm. caught up in these small nets that people fish us up in, or you know, like these small dreams i don't know i was lucky enough that i was taught to dream big mm-hmm. and i'm not even sure what that means but my dreams weren't limited and to dream big like we said it was like to give up a career that was easy mm-hmm. that doesn't mean like like i was you know i thought i had to be president of something but i just knew i could dream big and i hope that black women your blog and, and and stuff helps other women dream big yeah, that they can see themselves in somebody yeah. that's doing something and just dream big. Because if you don't dream, I think, to me, that's the saddest thing. You know, I, I can't, you know, my grandmother used to wake me up when I visited her. The first thing, would you dream, baby? You know, like she wanted to know. So if I don't wake up, if I don't remember a dream, I'm a little sad because I think, oh, I don't remember my dream. But if I, I can't imagine having a life where you just don't have dreams mm. um, of what your future can be. That to me is the saddest. I can't imagine. So I, I just hope that what I, once I did this out of myself, that it helped because it, it definitely boosted me and it let me know that, okay, I can make it in Sweden. I'm here. I'm far. I'm foreign. But, you know, look at what these other women doing. I can do it. So that I just say this to kind of wrap that up is that kind of, I know we're both aligned in our mission. And I think the, the greatest takeaway from that is we do this, you know, the whole negative and, you know, that you can find that without even looking for it. It right. comes naturally. It's just what is being used. Yeah. And in order to get us to a space of what we want and how we want to be, we know who we are, but we have to change that human psyche. We have to get into the mind. And in order to do that, you got to start pushing out stuff to portray really what in reality is who we are. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't want to cut you off, but I just, it just dawns on me. It makes me want to cry. I've been on the verge of tears this whole interview, but that's so like-minded. And to hear you say it, you can articulate it way better than I can. But exactly what you So my answer to my question is what Yana just said. That's my answer to my question. I never speak for another black woman. Her voice. I'm not here to take your voice away. No, but you do. You you have a gift. Yana has a gift. Yana has a gift where she can put words together to make your thoughts 
come together clearly. Yes, she's she able to put that out there. I agree yes, with you one hundred percent. She does. Yes, she does. And that's what I'm giving you. You're not taking anything away. No, because everybody was like, Adrian, get us, get up. Yeah. And then you see how I just cut off my like but anyway, yeah. No, but Yana, you're not taking my voice away. I give you permission. I hope you let me take permission. Oh, I hope you give me permission for letting me say that I you just summed up what I want to say because you said it beautifully. And you see your cousin, she knows. If that's a gift that you have, and I want to thank you for sharing that gift for me, because sometimes I feel like I don't make sense. But because we're so connected, you you got me, you know what I'm saying. So thank you for making sense of what I'm feeling. Yes. Thank you. I I, I receive that. And I need to do better of just receiving compliments and just standing into that. So I receive that. Thank you. That's all I'm yes. All right. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay, listen, Adrian. Cause I really, I'm, I want to be in a room with you and just have, I need a whole two weeks and just sit in the room and just soak you up. Can because, we yes, yes, ma'am, we can. We're going we gonna to figure it out. But I'm, I'm dead serious. Like, I don't know. There's something so familial about you to where I just really want to be in your presence and just. Yes, soak all you know, that energy. I know you guys are trying up. to wrap up. I know you guys are trying to wrap up. But let me just say one thing because this, sure. is, this has something to do with something that I'm going through with whatever. And I just I want to say I love how you stand with black women and fearlessly. You do that fearlessly. You do that purposefully. You do it bravely. And I I I want you to know that I used to take that for granted, but. There's some things that happened recently that let me know that that's not anything that I can take for granted anymore. And I, I really appreciate from you because we're, I feel like we've known each other forever, but we've had a recently, like within a few months connection and the way that you fearlessly and bravely and purposely stand with me and validate me is, means everything to me. And I want to thank you both from the bottom of my heart for that. Oh, sweet. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, a commercial can make me cry. So when, when we're talking about like serious stuff like this, I, I mean, it. Yes. no, because and, and that's if I can have one last message, any black yes. woman that hears this, if you're not standing with another sister, yes. ask yourself why, because mm. you know what? That sister may not be the one you need to be standing by. But if your first instinct isn't to stand with the sister, I want I want you to, to figure that out that. And I and, and uh I do believe in trusting your instincts. So if you're like, okay, this isn't the sister I need to be standing with, I respect that. But I I would challenge every black woman to 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 make their first instinct that I'm gonna stand with the sister until she proves me or something shows me that I shouldn't. And and I, if we can do that like all the other communities do, God knows, you know, where we could be, but we need to stand. With, if 2020 didn't show us that we need to stand together, but I want to challenge black women stand shoulder to shoulder. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know how else to say it, but I've seen it not go that way. And it's always puzzles me, puzzles yeah. me. So um, just, just like what you showed me, you guys immediately like, look, we, we think she's doing okay. And then you gave me the chance to, to validate that. And I appreciate that. But your natural instinct was like, we're standing with her. I'm standing with you too, and I, mm-hmm. I, I hope that your your podcast 
Actually, I know your podcast is helping people do that. So just keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Yo. Oh. Well, yo. Keep it up. That's busy. Oh, the clinic. <laughs> well, I don't, okay, I'm not going to say they ain't going to pay us. I ain't going to say your name. I was about to say, cleaner, for the tissue brand, you can. They, they, for the tears that be shed on this show. No, <laughs> yes. right no I know, but it's that I just, I have learned that lesson where, and, and I don't know if that has something to do with expat experience, but like a lot of people, like, you know, they don't want to make the white people uncomfortable or they don't want to. And, and, and they know they should have said something, and they won't. And mm. that just breaks my heart, you know, because we're going to always be the other. We're going to always be the one that they look at. So it's like, why shouldn't I be standing up for this person? They're not going to have any more respect for me because I didn't. Yeah. You know, they may have more. And who cares? That's the thing. I don't know. I'm old and comfortable enough in my own skin that I don't care what that other person is thinking when you know Come you're on. doing the right thing. Yes. No, I'm with you. Know, so. yes, I hate of trying to earn respect. Love me or leave me. Yes, yes ma'am. Is that a song? Love me or let's it could be. Be. I'm sure somebody <laughs> wrote that. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, love me or leave me alone. Let it go. But okay. But no, Fantasia said, if you don't want me, then don't talk to me. Go ahead and free yourself. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. All right. Are there any new projects or major shows in in the works for 2021? You know what? Thank you so much for asking. I can quickly say, okay, in 2020, when we were like in the, by March last year, we realized we were in a pandemic and people were freaking out. I did this workshop series called Let's Do Us. And my thing was like, I was just going to pick people, not pick people. I asked my network, who wants to do, who's got what talent, who wants to do what kind of network workshops? How can we support each other? And all these women stepped up to do it for free. We had a mental health workshop with a, 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 psych, a psychotherapist. We had writing workshop. We had a soca fit dance workshop, belly dance. We had um, kids acting workshop. We had directors talk. We had hair, natural hair care. I can't, oh, we had a, an opera singer. These are all black women. Yeah. Some from America, some not. Mm. An opera singer that did, she sang. This was, she was going to do something about Puccini, some operatic concert from Vienna. But then this happened, what happened? I can't remember what tragedy it was, which is horrible. But some black person got killed. It's horrible. Mm. I can't remember now because it's too many of us. And forgive me, soul, for not remembering. But she said, you know what? Right in the middle of, like, pre-broadcast for her. So she was like, you know what? I can't do it. So she sang Negro, African-American spirituals. She was like, I can't. So we did uh, over two months. We did this. And then I said, okay, I'm going to put together a business directory of black women's businesses so we can support each other. So, like, the let's do us thing for me was, like, let's do us. Let's support us. Let's each other. So we did that. And it was all for free. This year, I'm doing Let's Do Us point two because we still find ourselves, a lot of us, on lockdown, mm-hmm. you know, trying to navigate this. So the first thing we're offering is three Soka Fit dance classes. This this sister, she she's, I think she's from Barbados, but she's like a cultural ambassador for Canada. And she splits her time in Berlin. I think she's in Barbados now. She's going to do the Soka Fit thing. And I'm hoping with Sophia Lenore, with who's going to do... 
Yes, your baby is going to do something for how to pitch to Netflix. Because, you know, she knows how to do all that stuff. Yes, so yes. we're trying to figure that out. The, 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 the psychotherapist wants to do a follow-up. The writer wants to do something. But last year we did it for free. This year I'm like, okay, sister's got to get paid. Right. 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 You know, because this has, that's one thing that we found. Like a lot of, you know, financial instability is a, is a thing. So we, but we're not doing, we're not trying to outprice anything. But anyway, if you go to bit.ly bit.ly, what is it? Four slash less mm-hmm. to us point two. I think, I hope you have the, the link in the show notes. I can send it to you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or you can always go to black blog.blackwomeninEurope.com and find it. But just trying again to, cause I'm worried about, cause you know, here's the thing. We know our mental health is always precarious and more fragile. Mm-hmm. So I'm really worried about making sure that we can take care of each other. So like the, 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 the dancing is good for the soul and the body, you know, if, if we can do, and I'm like, people got stories to tell. So if we can get Sophia yeah. Lenore to do this, like how to pitch these stories, like, you know, Netflix is snapping up black stories now. Now we're right. hot, right? Right. You know, they want to, they want to tell our stories. So like help people do that and, and the mental health session. So just doing that. And then I'm really trying to like, you know how it is. Are you guys taking care of yourselves? So I'm trying to make sure I take care of myself too. So I don't want to try to do too much. Right. Yeah. Right. But I was thinking that, you know, there's some things that, you know, like we didn't have carnival this year. Like, you know how people go to carnival? Yeah, I know. So I'm like, let's do those soca fit things because that's still keeping our culture alive. You know, yes. keeping our music alive. You're like, yeah. we can still do it and be in a, you know, and like, you know, just dance out whatever frustrations you have. So what's so the date for? Is this just ongoing thing for the year or? Well, it's going to be May. Oh, thanks for keeping me on point. It's going to be May 6th, 13th, 20th for the Soka Fit at 7 p.m. Berlin time, which would be 1 p.m. Charlotte time. Or maybe twelve Texas time because it's yes. that's yeah, yeah that sounds about right yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so I was thinking okay great that could be like if you're in the states that could be like your lunchtime or if you're in in Europe that's like after work you know you got somebody like with the kids and you know I I don't know I'm trying not to really think to you know too much because I I one thing I learned is and I've got aging parents like when we first talked and got to know each other I was in the states. You know, I was lucky enough to be there when daddy turned 95, mommy turned 91. She's mm-hmm. like, kill me. Like, mm-hmm. You probably have to edit that part out. Don't, no, don't that's a Like, what are you talking about? So it's like, you know, I, you know, everybody's got, we got more focus on family. So I'm like, okay, I, I, I love my network, my lady, you know, my sisters. But at the same time, I got to put my family and then if I'm three months in the States, that means I was three months away from my husband. And, you know, men are high maintenance. Mm-hmm. They're like, you know, you got to show me something. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> now that I'm back home, you know, so I got to have energy for that. <laughs> you know, right. So, but, you know, so I, I just felt like, okay, if we can do that. Because, again, I kind of do everything for selfish. I need those mental health sessions. Yeah. I need that self-fit. You know, I want to know about Netflix because, you know, why can't we figure out how to tell my, our stories? So I try to do things that I think if they're good for me, they're going to be good for other people. But basically, just for the rest of the year, I'm going to keep telling our stories. If anybody has any story about a black woman in Europe that needs to be told, let me know. Contact at blackwomeninEurope.com. I will amplify it. Do you have um, any other social media handles? Oh, you know what? Actually, I do on Facebook, blackexpat.com, women of the African diaspora, 
that I co-manage with another sister who's in the Netherlands, who whose roots are in Suriname, which is a former colony in the Caribbean of or South America, actually, um, mm-hmm. of, of the of the of the, those people over there in the Netherlands. There's Afro-European Sisters Network. That's a, again on Facebook. That's something that she started. My D, my Democratic National Committee page. If you look at Adrian George DNC, oh, a, yeah, you can find it if you Google DNC, so you can know what's going on with Democrats abroad. If you're an American abroad, go to democratsabroad.org and sign up, and that will automatically put you in touch with the people in your country. But also that you'll get automatic messages when there's something that you need to vote on in your state. So if there's, golly, my ring light, if there's like a special election going on, it'll let you know what's going on because it's important if you're an American abroad to, to make sure that you vote. If you keep your passport, vote. That's, I don't want to preach, but if you got a passport, it's like, you've got to vote. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's, it's a privilege. Yeah. The American passport is one of the most coveted passports in the world. Mm-hmm. So, so vote. Make America yeah. the country that you want to be proud of to go home to, that when you go out and you're identified in your community as American, you know, you want to be able, proud to be able to say, I know we got problems, but this is what we're doing. I vote. I care. Democratsabroad.org, Black Women in Europe, blog.blackwomeneneurope.com. Um, oh, and if you're in Sweden, Stockholm expat. You call it Adrian for all your needs. You know, know what? Right. I, you know what? My husband's going to retire in a couple of years because military, you can retire at a decent age. He's been in since he was 19 when he had this joint. It's like, I. You know what? I'm so glad I found you guys because I think I, I can let you guys take over some of my stuff. We're <laughs> platform. We're on the same mission. So you guys. We're going to circle back. We're going to circle back. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We're circling back. Well, thank you so, 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 so yes. much. Thank Literally, you. From the bottom of my heart, we really appreciate you. This went by so fast. Absolutely. And just this experience within itself, it, it's it's great to see sisterhood touch beyond bounds. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that we connected in this way. Thank you, yeah. Sophia, for connecting us. Yeah, thank you, Sophia. Thank you, Sophia. Isn't she amazing, though? She's I just, awesome. she's just, she, oh, I've been a girl crushing on her since I think like 2011 when I discovered her or something. Wow. And I was like, what, what, what is she doing? No, I've been, I've been crushing on her since then. So I, I thank you, Sophia, for bringing me together and uh, bigging out my yes. family because we're cousins now. Yes, indeed. Yes, we are. <laughs> yes, indeed. Thank well, This has been so great. I'm sorry yeah, to hear y'all. No, it's, this again is uh, just a reason. It's always our aim to amplify just another sister's voice and to share in our stories of transformation and our lessons, just the joy. So, I was just looking at the time left on my jaw yeah. dropped. I'm thinking, did we talk that long? But it seemed like it went so fast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't say the last part. And until next time, melanate on that. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed our chat today. Keep the conversation going by heading to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leaving us a review. Have a story of your own to share? Email us at info at melanatedconversations.com or connect with us on social media at Melanated Conversations. Till next time, keep raising your voice. voice.